The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today online. We love, love that you are choosing to still engage in worship wherever you're at with whatever you're doing. Uh, we feel like you are still a part of this church, and we hope that you feel that same way, that you're connected. If you're not, our online campus pastor would love to chat with you. Just reach out to him. Uh, this is an absolute huge part of the Gospel of Luke. We are in the final section of what's called the power section in the Gospel of Luke. Mark has the same section also. If you've been with us for the past few weeks, we've been kind of using both Luke and Mark to make sure we get all of the details of these amazing stories because they outline the power of Jesus in a, such a succinct way. It, and it started three weeks ago with uh, Jesus calming the storm. He has power over nature. Then we saw that Jesus has power over the demonic. When the Gadarene demonic comes and falls at his feet, no one else could subdue him. And Jesus heals him and restores him. Jesus comes back into the region of Galilee. Okay, he's just crisscrossing the Sea of Galilee. Comes back into the region of Galilee, and he's met by the man we will talk about today, a, a man named Jairus, a very influential man in the community. As Jairus has this problem that we'll unpack, Jesus agrees to help him, and on his way to Jairus' house, he met the woman we saw last week who had an issue of blood, but she, just, she needed physical healing. And she knew that if she could just touch Jesus' garment, if she could just grab a thread, she would be healed. She accomplishes that task, and she is healed. Not only from her sickness, but she is freed from her suffering. So powerful, so beautiful. Her story was in the middle of our story that bookends this. And it's the final week of our power section through the Gospel of Luke. And in this section, we will see that Jesus has power to raise the dead. He has resurrecting power. And when we look at those four stories put together, power over nature, power over the demonic or evil, power over sickness and disease, and power even over death, that is a beautiful, beautiful full picture of just who Jesus is. So we're in Luke chapter 8. We're going to read verses 40 through 42. Then you're going to think I skipped seven verses, but those were actually the ones we read last week. And we'll finish with verses 49 through 56, because once again, this is a book-ended story. Let's begin with an important person in the community who has a huge, huge problem. Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 42. Now when Jesus returned, okay, and that's, he returned from the western side of the Sea of Galilee, after healing the Gadarene demoniac, he comes back to the eastern shore, to Galilee. When Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. Okay, a huge crowd welcomed him, actually. Now, he had left that same crowd just really 12 to 18 hours ago. He wanted to retreat, but when he got to the other side, they didn't like him there, and they sent him back. And I can't, I can't help but picture it this way. Uh, those of you that own dogs, that are dog lovers, uh, when you come home and, and you're, you find your pet just sitting there by the front door waiting for you to come back, they don't know when you're coming back. They can't tell time, but they're just there because they miss you and they want to make sure the first second that you return, they're there to greet you. I picture this crowd in the same way. I'm not calling humans dogs, but I picture it the same way. Jesus left and they, they didn't know where he went. 
So they just kind of camped out on the shore and said, he's got he's to come back at some point. And so when he does, they welcomed him. They cheered him. They said, we knew you were going to come back, for they were all expecting him. Verse 41. Then a man named Jairus, okay? It is very rare in the New Testament for people to be named. It's not that it never happens, but just like our story from last week, we don't know the woman's name. It's very rare for someone to be named in the New Testament. And Jairus is because he is important. He's a who's who in this region. He's a synagogue leader. Now, that's important as well because the synagogue did not necessarily love Jesus. The synagogue was at odds with Jesus because Jesus was taking followers from their synagogue and teaching them a new way to live for God. The religious leaders were concerned about Jesus and his teachings. And this synagogue leader, well known in the community, think of him like an elder. He wasn't the rabbi, but he was known, probably a large contributor to the synagogue. He comes and he finds Jesus and he fell at his feet. Do you see that there in verse 41? He fell at Jesus' feet And he pled with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12 years of age, was dying. Now, I love that Luke gives us this distinction. She's 12. She's not a baby. She's not an adult. She's a kid. She's a kid that this man has known for 12 years that he loves. And she's sick and she's dying. And Jesus has to respond, has to respond. Why? Because Mark chapter 5, verse 23 says this about Jairus. He pleaded earnestly with him. He just continually pleaded, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and lived and live. It's so beautiful to see that this man, influential obviously can bring any doctor in that he needs, knows that it's Jesus. It's Jesus and his touch that his sick and dying daughter needs. And he puts his religious odds against Jesus aside to go reach out to him. And it's a beautiful sentiment because it just illustrates how parents will do anything for their children. That's just what parents do. Hey, I may lose my position in the synagogue, but my daughter's dying, and I need the best, and the best is that man in my estimation. So he meets Jesus on the shore and begs him to go. Jesus decides to go with him, okay? Jesus says, all right, I'll go, I'll go. I believe with everything in me that Jesus goes for the girl, not because of the man's prominence in the community. Jesus probably knows who this guy is, but he's going because there's a young one who is hurting. I wonder, though, since we're not going to read the the middle verses here in Luke chapter 8, I wonder what Jairus is thinking when the woman comes up and Jesus stops. I wonder what Jairus is thinking when his march to his house, knowing that time is of the essence, it's stopped by this woman who came crawling through the crowd. I I just wonder what he thought. 
And while he may be wondering, why are we waiting so long for this woman? He gets the worst news ever. Luke chapter 8, verse 49, okay? While Jesus was still speaking, while he was saying, go, my daughter, you have been freed from your suffering. Go with peace. While he's pronouncing these words of healing over the woman, people come from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and they tell him, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Now, that's telling. That's telling in that moment because they didn't say, don't bother the Lord anymore. They didn't say, don't bother the Son of God anymore. They didn't say, don't bother Jesus anymore. They said, don't bother the teacher. Don't bother the teacher because, see, this is well beyond his capabilities now. Yeah, we all think he can teach great. It's cool. But your daughter's dead. And he can't do anything about that. She's too far gone. I have to believe that the rudeness of that comment to a father who had just lost a daughter is purely meant to sting Jesus. We didn't like the idea anyway that Jairus was coming to see you. We, We didn't like that. So don't bother Jesus anymore. Just come home. The funeral has already started. I wonder... I wonder what Jairus thought when he heard what no parent should ever have to go through. And and I know that if you're watching today and you have suffered the greatest loss, and that is a parent losing a child, if you're watching, it's stirring up so many emotions in you. I'm sure of that. But I wonder what he thought. Could could I have done more? Why, why did I wait so long to go get Jesus? Where was he? He, he was here yesterday, uh, uh, but then he was gone, and, and then we just, I mean, I met him as soon as he came back. Could, could I have done more? And oh, the hurt, the hurt of that guilt. What else could I have done? But Jesus says, Mm-mm, nah, it's never too late. It's never too late. You just need to believe Luke chapter 8, verse 50. Hearing this, the words from those who came from the house of Jairus. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. I don't think Jairus was afraid at all. He was devastated. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. Just believe. And she will be healed. Literally, literally, in the the Greek, here's what it says. Just keep on believing. Keep on believing. See, you you left your house to come find me. That that showed faith. You just need to keep that faith. You just need to keep on believing. I don't know about you, but there have been several times in my life that I had devastating news delivered. Nothing like this. Nothing like this. But but hard news to receive. Life-changing news. And I wonder for you and for me, when when those messages come, if Jesus isn't still saying the same words to us. I know this isn't what you expected, but just keep believing. Just continue to believe. I know this situation isn't the way you wanted it to play out, but I'm still moving. I'm just moving in a different way. Just keep believing. 
I wonder today, who of you needs to hear those words? Just keep believing. Just keep believing. Let's see how this ends. Luke chapter 8, verses 51 through 56. When Jesus arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, his inner three disciples, the child's father, Jairus, and mother. Jesus plus five others were allowed in. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. In the first century in Jewish culture, um, because there was no really adequate way to embalm a body, the funeral started as quickly as possible. Someone dies, you call the immediate friends and family from within the community, and the funeral procession begins heading to wherever the body will be buried. Wealthy families would actually hire whalers, not people that shoot whales, but whalers to walk in front of the funeral procession and wail on behalf of the deceased to make a huge scene as they gathered people throughout the community as the funeral procession grew. And so what Jesus walks up on, looks at Peter, James, and John, the, the mother and the father, and says, you come with me. He sees this procession starting. The professional whaler, this is, a, this is an absolutely prominent person. They would have had the money to pay however many whalers and cymbal players and whatever they needed, and they were gathering up, and they were heading out, and Jesus says this to those who were mourning and wailing. Stop it. Stop wailing. She's not dead. She's just asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. Probably not a professional coroner amongst them, but they're smart enough to know when someone's not breathing and turning cold, they're not just asleep. So they laugh at Jesus. <laughs> you haven't even seen her yet. Trust us. She is dead asleep. She is out. But he took the little girl by her hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit, her life returned. And at once, she stood up. Didn't, didn't take a while. Didn't have to figure out what's going on. She just stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. I've always found that to be humorous. Like, what's, what's a teenage girl want? Snack. Someone get this girl a PB&J, please. She's, she's had a rough day. Her parents were astonished, I would imagine. Can you fathom that roller coaster? We, we found Jesus. We were too late. We come back. We, we see the funeral procession starting without us. Jesus says some crazy thing about her just being asleep. He grabs her by the hand and says, little girl, get up. She does. And then I'm supposed to run and make a sandwich. They don't, they don't really know how to fathom what just occurred in their presence. They're astonished. But then look at what Jesus does next. He ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Hey, you're going to have to not talk about this. 
number one thing to stop a funeral procession is when the deceased comes walking out of their bedroom with a peanut butter and jelly in their hand. That, that's not something you can keep under wraps. The same people who laughed at Jesus just a few moments ago are now bum-fuzzled. Bum what in the world just happened? Was she just asleep? No, I checked, I, I checked her pulse. I No, I, I did the arm thing multiple times. She was not just asleep. She was dead. But there were five people. There were five people on that day who got to witness resurrection. The resurrection of a 12-year-old little girl. There were five people on that day that got to see the exclamation point of the power section in the Gospel of Luke. They got to see the power that Jesus has to raise the dead to life. Those who laughed at Jesus, they didn't get to witness it. They saw the aftermath, and they got to come to their own conclusions as to what just occurred. They, they got that, but they didn't get to witness the power. And you have to ask yourself, why? Why just the five? Why the command to secrecy? Why? What, what is going on here? Well, the resurrecting power that Jesus used for this little girl, it's the same resurrecting power that he will use two years from now to conquer sin and death for all. But this was not his time. This was not his moment. He is not a Messiah and King and Son of God that comes to win fanfare. And here's the truth, church. If you have the power to raise the dead, you are going to rise the political ladder very quickly. You are going to be thrust into levels of leadership. You are going to be given permission and platforms that Jesus said, my platform is a cross. And I know my mission and there will come a day where this same power will be available to all who believe in me, but now is not my time. So there's this messianic secret that Jesus uses his power temporarily to raise this little girl back to life. He commands those who saw it to secrecy, and they have to wonder for, I think, the rest of their lives, what did we just see? But then we all have that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful opportunity in faith to trust in the one who is the resurrection and the life. It just wasn't time yet for him to let that be known to all. As we process through this resurrecting power, I, I want us to look at Jairus and his story and I want us to try to place ourselves in it. And, and there's some things I want to draw from it. Hopelessness, the hopelessness that he felt on the last part of that journey, walking to his home, knowing that his daughter was dead. That hopelessness is a place in which faith truly becomes faith. I, I want you to know that. Hopelessness is a place where faith truly becomes faith. It's easy to say that you have faith when everything in your world is right and good. But it's when you are hopeless, when you are utterly despaired, when you are completely broken, that's when your faith is tested. And that's when Jesus steps in and says, keep believing. 
It's imperative that you keep believing. Don't be afraid of feeling hopeless, church. There's going to be things in this world that make you feel hopeless. No, seek true hope. Keep believing. As we wrap up today, I want to talk to parents here specifically in just a moment. But I want you to know that what Jesus shows in this section is his infinite power. His power over nature, his power over the demonic, his power over sickness and disease, and his power even over death. And if you have not chosen in your life to put your faith in this Jesus, I would invite you to do so today because that power is available to all who believe, to all who trust, to all who hope in the Lord. But I, I do, I want to I want to mention just the parents. I, I know that not all of your parents, and, and, and that's okay, but I want you to know, parents, that the best place you can take the needs of your children is to the feet of Jesus. That's the best place. That's, that's what Jairus did. He threw out the obstacles that he would have to face from his career, from his position. He threw those away because he knew that the best place for his daughter's need was at the feet of Jesus. He went there, and that has not changed today. You need to pray for them. You need to pray over your children. You need to bring their requests and their needs to the feet of the Lord. And most importantly, most importantly, you need to pray for the resurrection of their soul. Your faith can't save them, but pray that the Lord one day will call them by name because of his grace and that they will be saved. And for those of you who have children that know the Lord, that you know they know the Lord, I want you to know today and celebrate today this truth that you have witnessed a resurrection miracle just as magnificent as Jairus and his wife did that day. Your child has come from death to life. That's something you should celebrate. And I'm sure it's something you do, but maybe we don't think about it enough. And if your child hasn't, keep believing. Keep believing that no one is too far gone. No one is without hope. Your child is loved by God. And keep praying, keep believing that salvation will come to them as well. We serve a God. We serve a Lord who has power to overcome all the obstacles of this world, including death. And today, I want you to acknowledge that truth and just keep believing. Father, help us do that. Help us do that. When, when we want to run, when we want to doubt, when we want to hide in our own fear and our worry, God, give us grace sufficient for our needs to put our faith fully in you and to keep believing in you. We can't do this on our own, but with you, Lord, with your help, we can because you tell us you have overcome the world. You've overcome it. We thank you for that. We love you. And see your name we pray. Amen.